Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. final Christmas message on the light of the world and very specifically this morning, walking in the light. You've received the Christmas gift. The Lord is now in your life. You're now walking with him. Christ who came is now the Christ who saved you. The Christ who saved you is the Christ who's sanctifying you. And the Christ who's sanctifying you is now taking you on a journey to get you all the way home. The best way for us to walk that journey is to walk with him. Amen? Is to be in the light as he is in the light. Uh, If you attempt to walk as a believer in some other fashion then you end up in some places that believers shouldn't be, and that causes a problem because you have a new nature. And that new nature is one that has been enlightened by the light of the world coming into your life. And so as you try and bring back darkness into that light, the light shines on it, and all of a sudden it's like you've got a conflict. There's a problem in your life that now exists because of our attempts to not walk in a way that's worthy of the light that is now in us. And so today, walking in the light, if you turn to the first letter that John wrote, not his gospel, uh, but the letters of John, 1 John chapter 1, we're going to take six verses there, verses 5 through 10, and would you join me as we pray? And how we can walk in this newfound freedom that we have by receiving the gift of the light in our life. Father, we thank you. Lord, I thank you for the work of the Spirit that enables me, enables us to walk in the light as you were in the light. You are the light, Lord, the light of our lives, the light of this world. You'll be the light of heaven and you're going to be the light of the new heaven and the new earth at the end of days. And so we pray Holy Spirit, speak to your people. Encourage us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 5, 1 John chapter 1. This is the message which we've heard from him. That's a pretty plain statement. Now, John, who's writing, is the apostle whom Jesus loved. He's also the same who authored the Gospel of John. And he's making a statement here in his first of his three epistles. This is the message which we have heard from him. In other words, he's saying, this is what Jesus told me. This is what I got from walking with the Savior himself for three years. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever thought about what it would be like to walk actually with Jesus, to hang around with him for three years. I think that would be pretty marvelous, don't you? You think you'd learn a few things spiritually from the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. John is telling you what he got specifically from that journey. This is the message which we have heard from him. And now declare to you. Here's what we heard. Let me tell you what we heard. That God is light. Our series, Jesus is the light of the world. That those that walk in him don't walk in darkness. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. There isn't any darkness in Jesus. He is all light. He is infinitely good. He is without sin. Jesus was sinless. Pure light, 
God the Father dwells in unapproachable light. And so the picture here is this existence that already is in heaven. God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. But if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, here it comes, church, we lie and do not practice the truth. For the believer who has announced to the world that you are saved by grace and through faith, Christ has come into your life, you are a child of the light. And your goal is to become as Christ is. That's what a Christian actually is. We are a representation of the Lord himself. And if in God there is no darkness at all, how much darkness is supposed to be in believers? Simple question. There's only one answer. None. Zero. Zip. Now here's the problem. That's the goal. How many of us have attained that goal? No, you don't have to raise your hand. Because if anybody's hand goes up, we're going to all have to like, look at you with a, like, really? Oh, we haven't attained that goal yet, right? But that is the goal nonetheless. For the child of God... The goal is to become as he already is, sinless, perfect, complete light, no darkness. Notice how John, now remember, this is the message he got from Jesus. He's now declaring it to us. But if we walk in the light, As he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. In other words, when Christians get together, it ought to be really brightly lit by Jesus. Amen? That's what the church is supposed to be. That's why when the church gets infected with other things, it doesn't represent the Lord. If the light of Christ isn't in all that we do and all that we say then we are misrepresenting the light itself. That's why it's so important that the church stay on mission, that we remember what we're supposed to be about and we stick to that. We fellowship one with another when we are most like him. So if we want to have deep fellowship with each other, we should be like Jesus. He's light, there's no darkness He's love, there's no hate. You get the distinctions? So when you get a group of Christians together, if we're really being Christ-like, then we should act like, talk like, think like, be like, exist like Christ is, what we know about him. There's a lot of things that that's going to exclude. Those things that are not like him are what the Bible calls sin which we have kind of a Western mentality that sin is like this long list of you know, extremely heinous, evil things that one should not do. And while on one extreme that is true, the other extreme is sin actually, as it is in Scripture, simply means to miss the mark. It's like, here's the target. I want to be gentle. I want to be loving. I want to be kind I want to be meek and humble and lowly of heart as he is. See, that's like Jesus, right? To not be like that is to miss the mark. And if you know to be like that and don't make it, that's actually sin. So not all sin is like just this total open rebellion against God. It literally is, I know what I'm supposed to be, but I'm not quite there yet. And that's not to excuse the outright rebellion, by the way. That's to say, here's the goal at hand. I want to be as Christ is. I want to walk in the light. That's what he wants for me. And I sometimes don't do that. Any Christian that's being honest will tell you outright and bluntly, don't look at me for perfection. Amen? 
We want to be perfect because he's perfect, amen? There's a difference between having a goal and attaining the goal, amen? You see, when you set out to attain a goal, you're practicing to meet that expectation. That's the goal of every believer, to be purely light. That's who Jesus is. But the truth of the matter is, we don't always attain that goal. We don't always meet that criteria. That's why we call our journey on this earth the journey of sanctification. I'm becoming more like Jesus, but I'm not all the way there yet. So if we're honest, when we open the Christmas gift of the light of Christ in our life, we can all say, well, I'm not quite sure I'm really using this gift properly. I don't know how many of you got new electronics yesterday, but they don't produce manuals anymore. There's no such thing as a man. Nothing comes with a manual. It comes with a little QR code, and you scan it with your phone, and then you have to try and read a 200-page PDF on your phone. It's like, well, how do I program this thing? And you're like on page 640. It's like, oh, hit A. Well, what's A? And then there's a little diagram. You, You see... Your life in Christ is like that. There's a lot of information. It's available to us, but it's not readily right in front of us all the time. You have to have the Holy Spirit speaking into your life so that you can pick up that little tidbit that you need in that moment. The light shining on you. But if we walk in the light, verse 7, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. Amen? When you are in fellowship with God the Father through Christ the Son, you have a clean record regarding those misses, whether they're intentional or slightly unintentional. All sin is sin, okay? Anything that misses the mark misses the mark. Sometimes we miss by a little bit, and sometimes we miss by a lot. But when you are walking in the light, as he is in the light, your sins are cleansed. Here comes two options for us as the church, as we try and walk in the light. If we say that we have no sin, so here you go. For those of you that came in this morning going, hello, I'm Mr. and Mrs. Perfect. I am now in sinless perfection, and you hold your fingers like this and sit in a lotus position in Om. Like you are perfect. Notice what it says. If we say, who's he talking to? Believers. Where did he get this message? Jesus. What's he doing with it? Passing it along to other believers. So this is a message directly from Christ through one of the apostles given to the church, if we say we have no sin, ow, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If you're a Christian and you believe that you have reached a state of sinless perfection, woe unto you, because you're going to learn very quickly that's not true. Now, I'm not suggesting for a moment that you can't be sinlessly perfect. By the power of the Holy Spirit, the goal is to be sinlessly perfect. The goal is for you to live a life in the light. Amen? But applicationally, practically, we fall just a tad short of that a lot of times. Hopefully, it's just a little short of it. But the Bible is clear from John, from Jesus, that if you think you're already perfect while you're here on this earth, you are self-deceived, you're a liar. Why? Because you still have a body and a mind made out of flesh. And that flesh is not yet fully redeemed. Part of that old nature still dwells in you, And you are quite capable of doing the wrong thing. And sometimes, 
in unguarded moments of not walking in the light, you turn the light off, you say no to the Holy Spirit, you stop listening to the word, you don't get godly counsel, you do something that isn't in the light. The Bible calls that sin. For some of you, it's just attitudes. For some of you, it's drugs or alcohol or some relationship with somebody you're not married to. There's some bigger things. Maybe it's you're a thief. Maybe you have a tough time telling the truth. You know what? The Bible doesn't make any differentiation between the types of lies. The Bible just condemns the liars, all of them. So your little made-up world that you have on Instagram or Facebook, oops. The fact that you haven't changed your little photo there, it was actually taken 12 years ago, where you looked a whole lot better than you do now. Subtle, but that's also a lie. It's causing people to believe something about you that's not true. Now you're saying, oh, Jeff, you're being a legalist. No, I'm just pointing out something to you. Something that I think the whole world struggles with. And that is our lack of perfection sometimes leads us to act on the lack of perfection. You don't have to, but sometimes you do. So here's option A. You say that you have no sin, you deceive yourself, and the truth is not in you, not in us. Here's B. Love B. If it's not marked in your Bible, if you don't have a couple of asterisks, if there isn't some highlight, if you haven't underlined this one, do it today. If we confess our sins, if we admit, if we agree with God, Confession means to attest to. It means to agree with and declare. If we agree with and declare that God is absolutely accurate with his assessment about my life, if I say I have no sin, I'm self-deceived. The truth's not in me. If I agree with God that I've got issues, there are things in my life that God's still at work on. Haven't met a single soul on this earth that doesn't have issues that God is at work taking care of those issues. Maybe you're that person with a temper that in unguarded moments, outbursts of wrath. Did you know that outbursts of wrath are sin? Did you know that your hateful attitude is sin? Well, let's just clear up the air. What we did yesterday at the dinner table for most of us was sin. <laughs> Bible calls it gluttony, okay? Sin. So if we all got out our sin meter, guess what's going to happen if we go around the room? It's like going to be buzzing. We're going to find out that each of us have places where we miss the mark of the perfection of Christ. See, because remember, sin is missing the mark of his perfection. It's not our human understanding that I'm better than you are, or I don't do something in proportion to the way you do it, so thereby I'm not sinning, you are. You see, we judge sin by what other people do. I declare myself sinless because I'm better than you. That's not God's definition. God's definition is you miss the mark of perfection. Walking in the light as he is in the light. Church, this, is so, this will free you for the new year. If you'll lay hold of walking in the light, then it now becomes you and Jesus. The only place I look for my validation is heaven. I don't compare myself to you, and you shouldn't compare yourself to me. You should say, how am I doing with regard to walking 100% in the light? You'll have enough to do for the rest of your days. 
that you will concern yourself with you and not anyone else on this earth. You'll have plenty to take care of. If we confess our sins, notice God's response. He is faithful. He's faithful, church, and just. In other words, he sees the blood of Christ that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He is faithful to what he has said, and he is just. He judicially says, I promised to forgive all of your sin if you will believe in the name of my son. So in his justice, his perfect judicial treatment of your sin, he forgives your sin. Without the forgiveness of sin, no one can see God. Do you realize how marvelous this promise is? The Bible says you are, in fact, still a sinner, even though you're a saved one. And you need the forgiveness of your sin to get into heaven. So every time your sin issue comes up, God's response is judicially covered. He is faithful and just to forgive your sin. And oh, by the way, to turn on a little more light in your life. And to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He gets out the oxyclean, makes a paste out of it, and scrubs that area of your life that a couple of moments ago was in darkness. Where you agreed with the devil instead of agreeing with, the, with God and engaged in some kind of behavior, God says, let me scrub that out for you. Let me remove that stain to cleanse us from how much unrighteousness. Notice what it says. Every last bit, all. Notice the repeat, verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, if we say we have not sinned, who's he writing to? Christians. What's the focus? This came from God. This is who Jesus is. We make him a liar. And his word is not in us. Church, if we grasp this, we can conquer our nemesis sin. We lay hold of this one principle. In Greek mythology, nemesis was the goddess of divine retribution and revenge. She'd kind of show her wrath on human beings. Anyone that committed the hubris of trying to defy the gods would end up having to face Nemesis. Nemesis had a son named Narcissus. Arrogant, prideful, boastful. Didn't think that there was anything going on. Nemesis led him to a pool, and there he saw his own face. And in acknowledging how wonderful he looked, they stayed there and eventually died. Hence our Western understanding of what a nemesis is. Guess who the real nemesis is in Greek mythology? It's you. It's you. You look at your own reflection exactly as the Apostle Paul said, I don't see anything wrong. You boastfully and proudly say, well, there's nothing wrong with me. I look great. Now, in the morning after you've taken a shower and the mirror's all foggy, you probably do look great. But if you wipe the mirror and clean the mirror and you actually look, you go, man... I need some work. You see, God wants us to admit that we need some work. <laughs> that, that there's some stuff that isn't quite the way it should be. And so in that sense, if you think about this in the context of this passage, the wages of sin is what, church? But it is the free gift of God that's life eternal... It's not that you're perfect. The wages of sin is still death. But God says, I don't want you to receive the wages that you've earned. 
And so if you will confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive it. God says, look, if you just turn to me, admit that you allowed a little bit of darkness to overtake you, I will not just forgive it, I'll cleanse the stain of it. I'll take care of the problem that you created. What a gift for Christmas. Why? Because the Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God is telling us, look, if you say you don't have any sin in your life, you're a liar and the truth of God isn't even in you. So when you admit and confess your sin, which is to agree with God... That is how you end up in that beautiful place that God wants you to be. Because he takes the problem and deals with it. But if you just say, nah, I don't have a problem. You see, when someone has a problem with an addiction, drugs, let's just use that as an example. What is the first step? They have to admit it, right? They have to acknowledge, I have a problem. And it doesn't matter what you're talking about as far as the addiction. It could be drugs, it could be alcohol, it could be a sexual addiction, it could be all kinds of stuff. You're addicted to shopping. If you don't admit you have a problem, it can't be fixed. Why? Because you lie to yourself. I don't have a problem. I'm fine. I can control it. It'll be okay. And so what do you do? You learn to live with the problem. You don't even see the damage that's being done. And the same is true for sin. If you don't admit that you're a sinner, if you don't recognize you've got issues, if you say you've already made it, You stop working on the problem. You don't admit that there's still work to be done. And you learn to live with the mess that you've created. And so those things never go away. You wander around with the same things that have plagued you your whole life. Because you won't agree with God. In essence, you're now Narcissus staring into the pool And Nemesis is one. You fail to recognize that the reflection needs work. The gift the Lord wants to give us, I believe right now for Christmas, is that he has a solution to this. And it's to continually turn on the light. Our dogs got... Well, they got more presents than most human beings. We have dear friends that love our pups. And, you know, so we, it's like under the tree, there's like 10 dog presents. Well, the dog presents got scattered all over the house last night, including our stairs. And I'm thinking, it's early. I don't want to wake up Connie. I got to study. Mistake. Guess where the dog toys were? Right where I least expected them. And a couple of them were fairly hard. I almost took the short way down the stairs. You see, if I had turned on the light, I would have seen the sin problem on the stairs and I would have avoided the problem. But in walking in darkness, I didn't see the toys. And the same is true for your life. If you turn on the light, as he is in the light, you can see the problems. Our problem is we leave the lights off. Like, nah, I don't really need to turn Jesus on right now. I mean, after all, I'm at a family celebration. Everybody's having a great time. Yeah, you know, I kind of used to have a problem with alcohol, but you know, it's, it's Christmas. I don't want to be the fuddy-duddy. I don't want to be the person that says, well, you know, I, you know, the Lord delivered me from that. I don't want to, you know, I don't want anybody to think that I, 
you know, can't exist in an area where people are drinking. And all of a sudden, that problem that you've already gained victory over comes back. Turn on the light. Say, I refuse to walk in darkness. I don't care what everybody else is doing. I care what Jesus has done in my life. Amen? Don't walk in darkness. So you know that Connie and I lived in Austria for about a year. There's a little town, it's actually called Sinnersdorf. <laughs> Where do you live? Sinnersdorf, you know. Doesn't mean the same thing in German, by the way. Dorf means village, center in German actually means the meaning thereof or sense. But imagine for a moment that it actually did mean that. We all live in Sinnersdorf, Amen. <laughs> Every last one of us. That's where we dwell. This world is fraught with sin and opportunity to do so. And so the question becomes, for you and for me, what are you aiming at? Because to miss the mark, you can miss it intentionally or unintentionally. If you don't know what you're aiming at, you're going to miss for sure. Amen? Think about it. Just use archery as an example. If you've ever watched Olympic archery and they're sitting there with these weighted bows that have these long, you know, things and there's a weight and they're like adjusting it and they're like, you know, you watch them, they're shooting like up into the sky and right into the bullseye. Why? Because they've spent an inordinate amount of time figuring out how to get their arrow to the target. A lot of Christians spend no time trying to figure out how to hit the target of the light. We spend all of our time trying to kind of navigate how to live in this world with the darkness. And so it's like we're kind of like just like, and we expect to hit the bullseye of God's perfection. Oh, you're going to hit your friend, maybe. You might shoot your own cat. Notice I didn't say dog. All right. It's okay. If you have a cat, God bless you. Some cats are nice, just not many of them. People always get on me. I get cat memes and all kinds of things sent to me. Like, look at my cat. Speaking of cats, how about the Cheshire cat in Alice in Wonderland? Interesting. Alice asked the cat, Would you tell me which way I ought to go from here? The cat's response was, That depends a good deal on where you want to go. Right? It depends a good deal on where you want to go. Do you want the light on or do you not want the light on? Do you want to see well or do you want to see what the world wants you to see? It depends on where you want to go. There in Galatians 5, we have a picture of that. Paul says, walk in the spirit. Same thing as walking in the light, by the way. Interesting, he says, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. In other words, there is a direct equivalent between being in the spirit, being in the light, and staying out of trouble. Understand what I'm saying here. This is what the Bible says. There is a direct equivalence between you flipping on light switches, walking in the light, walking in the spirit, and actually hitting the target of God's perfection. If you don't turn on the light, if you don't walk in the Spirit, then you will get what you already have, which is your flesh will rear up and you will walk in the flesh. And in that passage, you can read it later. We don't need to read it today. Take all 11 verses there, verses 16 to 26. You're going to find that it begins with this contrast of all these things that you should be able to look at and go, well, I don't want to be like that. In there is idolatry, outbursts of wrath, dissensions, things of that nature. But Paul goes on in that passage to say, but the fruit of the Spirit, the result of turning on the light, looks like this. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness. Self-control. Oh, my goodness. He didn't say that. 
So my problem yesterday at the dinner table was a lack of self-control, right? I paid for it all night long. I'm like, Jesus, forgive me. There was too much on the plate. It's not that God wants us to, you know, wander around, you know, depriving ourselves. But there is a point at which it's like, you know, how many, how much food does a human being need to consume? (laughs) After a while, you're like, well, I'm just going to eat it anyway because it's good. The Holy Spirit says, you don't want to eat that. You don't need those jalapeno poppers to go with that peanut brittle. I did. Dumb. Oh, I know how to fix it. Pie. You know, when you don't turn the light on, you come up with some wacky things in your head, okay? And I'm using this, of course, to help you just think about it for a second. The same is true in very difficult areas of your life. The devil's not going to come to you and just go, you know, well, you should just abandon completely your faith. He's going to give you little tiny things that are just like that peanut brittle. It's like, oh, well, that's pretty good. I'm not going to, no, a little bit of peanut brittle isn't going to hurt. Well, it's not just the peanut brittle. It's the peanut brittle, the jalapeno poppers, the honey-baked ham, the pie, and all the rest of it. And then before you know it, it's like, Your eyes are closed. You're now walking in darkness. You're in a coma. You're in a sin-induced coma. And now you don't want to turn on the light. You see, the enemy is crafty. He's wily. He works in that way that we should be aware of what he's trying to do. And the truth is, church, we should get worse at sinning, not better at it. Notice it says, if you say you don't have any sin, you're not a truthful person. So let's just admit, we, we all have areas that we can do better at. That's what Scripture says. I actually feel sorry for people that think they've already arrived, because they always fail. But if you're looking for the solution, then you keep moving forward. Sin's not simply that outward disobedience. It's also inner rebellion. It's you and me going, well, you know, I can handle this one. You know how much sin you're capable of handling by yourself? None. Zero. Without the Holy Spirit in you, you're going to gravitate towards darkness, towards sin. You may not jump in with two feet, but you'll dabble in it. You'll try and get close. For those of you that have, you know, been delivered from having a foul mouth, you know how tempting it is at times. You're sitting there, you got a conversation going on, and all that word's right there, isn't it? It's like in the back of your mind, it's like swirling around. The devil's going, just use it; it'll be okay. Say it once. What happens the next time? Comes out a little easier, doesn't it? And before you know it, you're completing sentences with a couple of those words in it. You've been delivered. God's redeemed you. You're actually a child of God, but you're allowing the enemy to control your tongue, exactly as James said will happen if you give the devil a chance. So if you really want to walk in the light as he is in the light, there's only these two options available to you. You can try and cover your sin. Example of that's King David, amen? What did King David do when he met Bathsheba? First, he was supposed to be at war. He's standing up there on the balcony, looking down from the hill of Zion, and there's Bathsheba, and she's in her tub. She had the world's first jacuzzi on her deck, I guess. I don't know. But he sees her, decides he likes what he sees. He could have won the battle right there. Turn on the light. One of the Ten Commandments, right? You would think that'd be a pretty easy switch to flip on. But he didn't. Well, you know, I am king. 
You see, David lost the battle in his mind. Actually, the tragedy that occurred after that was because of the fact he lost the battle in his mind. He failed to yield to the gentle nudge of the Spirit, turn the light on. That's not your wife. You have no business. Matter of fact, David, you should be at war. That's where your mighty men are. You should be out there with them. Once we begin to lie to others, we'll begin to lie to ourselves. Oh, I deserve this. You know, after all, I mean, look who I am. Look what's going on in my life. I mean, God's going to be okay with this for me. Can I give you a little clue about sin? God is zero, not a no respecter of persons with regard to sin. You don't get special dispensations. If the Bible declares something is not okay with God, it's not okay with God for absolutely everyone. But then we justify. We don't walk in the light. We don't turn on the light. Before you know it, you've actually convinced your sin. I'm okay with God. Even though we know what we're doing is wrong. Church, if you want God to bless you, if you want to have a fantastic start, if you want to crack open a beautiful Christmas gift to begin the year 2022, turn on the light in every area of your life. Because the truth of the matter is, these two options, A and B, and we'll cover B in just a second, the self-deception is the worst kind. Because you eventually begin to believe it yourself. At first, it's just a lie between your mind and your mind. It's like, well, you know, I have my reasons. Then you try and make God out to be a liar. You say, well, maybe God was wrong. You know, it's sin for other people, but I can handle it. Do you know how many times I've heard that in 35 years of pastoral ministry? I can't even, I had lost track a long time ago of the number of people that come into my office. I thought I could handle it. I didn't think it would grab me. I have pastors that I know that have fallen in major areas of sin. Things like heroin addiction. Instead of flushing that heroin down the toilet, they put it in their desk drawer. And that heroin cried out for two weeks from that desk drawer. Oh, I can handle it. No. That relationship, well, you know, she just needs counsel. She really needs help. Nope. Turn on the light. Don't be self-deceived that it won't get you. Because you'll become a hypocrite eventually. You'll lose your fellowship. You'll see God's nature begin to dwindle in your life. And that sin will spread. It starts out something small, and it will take up a bigger and bigger chunk of your life. Ultimately, it becomes about personal integrity, spiritual, personal integrity. Can you, in the quiet moments of your life, before the Lord, say, God, between you and me, we're square? If you can't, there's some darkness. If you don't have utter confidence that if the Lord were sitting with you in the midst of that thing and he would be perfectly okay with it, if there's any doubt whatsoever in your mind, turn on the light. You understand what I said? If you can't envision you have a love seat, here's you. 
Here's Jesus. And whatever that thing is, that decision is, that word is, that behavior is, that want or desire is, whatever it is, if you can't turn to Jesus and go, so Jesus, what do you think we should do? And he looks you in the eye and says, let's go for it, Jeff. If that's not happening, turn on the light. Because he's that accurate in speaking to you. So the only reason you're not hearing that is you turned off the light. Because he's not going to lie to you. The word is not going to lie to you. The Holy Spirit's not going to lie to you. You can have the truth if you turn on the light. It's about integrity. And you know the integrity of every person by who they are when no one's looking. That's your real integrity. Your real integrity is not the little fake you that you make up when people are watching. Your real integrity is what God sees when nobody's watching. Notice what option B was. Confess. It's simple. You start doing the truth. We actually agree with God. We say the same thing that he would say. That's what confession means. You see, confession... And hear this well. And admission are not the same thing. Admission is just simply an acknowledgement. Ah, that didn't work out so well. As a matter of fact, admission sometimes can be deceptive. I know this isn't right, but I'm going to do it anyway. Confession says, I agree with God's assessment. This will kill me. This will destroy my life. And therefore, I will not do it. You see, there is a subtle difference between those two things. A lot of times people admit their faults, but they actually don't want to stop what they're doing. Or they don't like the results of the sin. Like they got in trouble. And so they admit that they did something wrong, but they actually won't repent. You see, repentance is part of confession. Confession is I agree with God and I change direction. I do the right thing. I become a doer of the word, not a hearer only, deceiving myself. If we confess our sin, that's where God steps into this beautiful picture that we have here. And begins to do that work of erasing that sin. Clearing it up. Causing us to walk in the light as he is in the light. And so God takes care of that judicial cleansing that's necessary. He also takes care of the personal cleansing which restores fellowship. You see the judicial part is necessary. You're not going to heaven without that one. The larger word is justification. You've been justified. The actual penalty, the price, the payment that needs to be made for every sin is made by God. God says, look, I will absolutely forgive your sin. But I also want to cleanse you from the stain of that sin, the pain of that sin. He may not take away all of the ramifications of it, but you will be cleansed. You'll be made as whole as you can possibly be made. That's what God wants. He wants us to walk in the light as he is in the light. He himself is light. So if he is light and we're walking with him, then wherever we're walking with him ought to be filled with light. Amen? So if it's not, it's time for you to grab a switch. Turn on some of the word in your life. Turn on your prayer life. Turn on your reliance on the Holy Spirit. Turn to that confessive sin that says, Lord, I want to walk in the light. 
I want that gift that you gave me to be untarnished. Most of us who are parents know what it's like to buy our kids presents that need batteries. Amen? You know, they do all the crazy things, the bells, the whistles, you know, they talk to you. They don't do any of that without power. Amen? You don't get the batteries. The kids look at you. It's like they start crying. It's like, why would you buy me this? There's no batteries. <laughs> yes, I have done that. I didn't know it didn't come with batteries. You got to turn on the light. You got to turn on the power. You got to plug power into the situation. Let's do that. Let's take this gift of the light and let's make it as bright as we possibly can in our lives going forward into 2022. The Lord wants us to do exactly that, to be so bright as we saw on Christmas Eve. If you were with us, we started with a single candle. This room was pretty much pitch black. It was dark in here. And by the time more than a thousand candles were lit, you could have read in here by the light. That's the way it works. Your light mixed with someone else's light, the stuff that's going on in your life shining in this world. That's why Jesus said, don't put your light under a bushel. Put it on a lampstand where people can see it. And if your light is dim, flip the switch. Amen? Let's stand and we'll close in prayer. Father, we thank you for the gift of light. Lord Jesus, you are the light of the world, and we who walk in you shall not walk in darkness. And so, Lord, we pray that you would cause us to keep our fingers on that switch. Those areas where our lives are not quite what they need to be, would you help us to always be ready to turn on a little more light, whether through the word or the power of the Holy Spirit or great counsel, fellowship, being together with other believers, Lord, help us to walk in the light. As we begin our new year, Lord, help us to flee sin, to run away from it, to, to be scared of it, Lord. We thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the gift of our salvation. We confess, we admit and agree with you, God, that there are things that you're working on. Help us to do better today and even better still tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.